You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Welcome to another episode of CAMS Talk. I'm Marianne and I work at Bedford and Lucian CAMS in the participation team with young people. And today we'll be having a conversation around self-harm scars in the summer. And to do that, we'll be having a conversation about what self-harm is. And of course, giving you helpful advice about who you can talk to, who you can open up to, as well as some advice from young people who may be able to relate. This is a really important discourse that we're having today and there's often a lot of shame and stigma attached to anything mental health related so it's really important to talk about it so we can silence the shame and before we get started I did want to say that some of what we'll be talking about today can bring up some intense emotions and it might be a little upsetting as well so if you feel yourself being overwhelmed by the conversation please do take a break and pause to look after yourself. We also wanted to add some resources in the description box and if you need some support, then please do use, use the resources in that box. But thank you so much for joining in and listening to the podcast today. So we'll do some quick introductions before we start. We've got a couple of people joining us. We've got Molly, who'll be co-hosting with me today. Hi, everyone. I'm Molly. I work with Marianne as part of Cam's participation. I'm happy to join this conversation today. Thank you, Molly. Happy to have Hi. you. And then we've got Maya. Hi, I'm Maya. I join participation meetings every now and then, and I'd love to join this conversation. Thank you, Maya. It's great to have you. Um, and we've got Alex as well, who'll be joining Hi, um, my name's Alex and I'm an ex-service user. I've been in the participation team for such a long time now. <laughs> so it's, it's great to have this conversation, I think. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Alex. And last but not least, we've got Bongi joining us. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, my name is Bongi. I am a mental health nurse and currently working in the CAMS team in Dunstable. Oh, it's great to have you here, Bongi. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for joining today. Okay, so the first thing that we really need to establish is what is self-harm, because there's a lot of definitions and misconceptions out there, a lack of knowledge in general. So uh, perhaps, Bongi, if you wanted to take us through a bit of a clinical definition. The way that I, as a psychiatric nurse, want to define self-harm is really, really very different for each um, person. But we do have a kind of like common understanding. Most of the time, our understanding is kind of like, it's an expression of distress. It's a way of dealing with distressing emotions. And I think the kind of like common perception is that this is usually deliberate. And yeah, the common understanding is that it's a way of really expressing some distressing emotions. There is always kind of like different experiences, like I'm saying, for different young people. Self-harm is used as a way of kind of like either controlling something or shutting down something. So, so yeah, so overall it is a coping strategy whereby deliberate self-harm or sometimes not necessarily deliberate, but someone is harming themselves in a way as kind of coping with whatever might be going on. When we think about that, there will be different ways in which in, in ways people self-harm. They are the common ones that we know, which is um, cutting, but there are other ways of self-harm that might be a little bit hidden, 
Thanks, Bungi. That was actually a really comprehensive definition. And so, yeah, that was a really, it was really educational even for me, actually. Yeah, I wonder, you know, if what everyone else thinks. The way I see self-harm is slightly different because in my journey of recovery, I found out that the reason why I was self-harming was because I was having extreme derealization. I was having almost like an out-of-body experience. And the reason why I was self-harming was to use it as a coping mechanism to, I guess, the pain was as a way for me to get back to my body and feel real. But looking back on it, to me, was self-harm was anything from it's a cold day outside and I'm not wearing a jacket because I think I'll be fine with just a t-shirt or it could be I don't know playing with my cat a bit too harsh and letting her scratch me it's the small things that you don't really think about that could lead to self-harm and it's the fact that it kind of top on each other it gets to the point where you do something physical Thank you, Alex, and thank you for opening about about that as well, talking about your own experience. It's really interesting because I thought both Bongi and you have spoken about coping mechanism, you know, and it's it's this clearly like a theme that we're seeing. And Maya, what what would your definition be of self-harm? To me, it's just the act of deliberately hurting yourself to maybe feel better about yourself, just to feel like you're not in a caving hole anymore. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Maya. And thank you thank you to all of you for kind of being so open, which has been really helpful for me and I'm sure will, will bring about a lot of awareness for other people as well. So we've spoken about our definitions, but it'll be great to hear about your views on the misconceptions out there because we don't really want to create or kind of, I guess, contribute to the harmful rhetoric that already exists. As someone that is online almost every single day, I think the first misconception that comes to my mind is 13 reasons why. I think we all know about the scene that has like been deleted now, thankfully. But to me, I think that's the most obvious example of why showing it the way they did it is bad. I think there's been a lot of talk about how it led to more suicide attempts like during that time. And that's, that's just really not the way to go. I think shows like that and even books come to mind. One of the books that I've read that don't really show self-harm in a really good positive way is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I think he tried to take a almost like a fantasy, almost self-help book-ish idea to them to depression and the way I saw it, it really didn't show. I guess depression and self-harm as the way it should be portrayed there's there are a lot of different ways you can portray self-harm in a really positive way um i think one of the books one of my favorite books that shows in a really interesting way is the poppy world but it's a historical fiction so (laughs) many things in that book are very very hard to read and i think the way they demonstrated it was really interesting i think in one of the sections um the main character got a hysterectomy because she got her first period and she was feeling pain and she was in the kind of state where she wasn't feeling depressed, but she wanted to achieve things that had to she had to physically be in pain for. And I thought that was really interesting. That's really interesting that you talk about um, the media and how self-harm can be misrepresented and it can be quite dangerous for young people watching that. And it's, it's, you know, you talk about 
a more positive way that it's shown. I wonder if you could go into a bit more detail about what you mean by that, Alex. I think we always, in these podcasts, and I think with CAMS in general and the participation group, we always try to have these conversations about demystifying things and not just self-harm. We talk about like LGBTQ plus and like trans issues like ADHD and ASD and we're trying to demystify those things and I think that's a way to go with self-harm scars as well you don't want like I guess that's the reasons why it just comes to my mind right now because you know there was one scene where one of the characters she had self-harm scars and the way they went through it was why are you doing this why are you doing this to me we're in a relationship you know but it doesn't really go for the fact that that character was in a lot of pain and that's what that's the way she was coping with it and it just it has it created such a terrible image that they still have in that show that's still on a platform that so many people go through it every single day but you don't have books that actually express the stories of real people and the way they've dealt with it I've had so many like different experiences where people just like they looked at my arms and they did not say anything which is exactly what that's how I want it to happen I don't want to have a whole conversation about my whole life experience to the classmate that I don't know that's sitting next to me or the person that I don't know I see at the beach or the random dad that is trying to be supportive but it's not really being supportive and I think these are the type of conversations that we need to have and these are the type of images that we portray in media I think one of the shows that comes to my mind that dealt with depression and slightly and grief was it's called The Owl House and it's on Disney Plus it's a cartoon and I love that show I've watched it with my sister and I think they go through how it's like to not have a dad or what it's like to deal with things like that. It doesn't go through like issues like self-harm scars, but it does have a really positive view on LGBTQ issues, being bisexual, being asexual, being pan. There, there's so many good things. And why I love about that show, because it's a cartoon, is because I can watch it with my sister and she's 11. And then I can talk to her being like, you know, look, it's good to be gay and it's good to kiss your girlfriend and... It's good that if you're sad sometimes, as long as you talk to someone about it and as long as you ask for help. And I, that's how I want my sister to grow up because that's not the way I grew up and I want to change things. Well, I'm so glad that, you know, you, you explained that because you did such a good job at, you know, explaining what you thought about the misrepresentation in media, but also what it means to show it in a positive light. And it's really, really nice to hear like that there are shows out there that just bring about positivity and, and don't really misrepresent people's stories because that, that's what's really important, isn't it? Just having the truth come across and, and ha having that place where people can relate to something and not look at and be like, actually, I can't, I can't relate to this at all because this wasn't my experience at all. Um, and and it would be great, you know, to add some of those um, recommendations in our description box for anyone who wanted to watch any of the shows. So so we can definitely do that. Um, but thank you, Alex, um, for sharing that. And Maya, I wonder if you wanted to talk about any misconceptions that you've come across and that you'd like to tell everyone. Like Alex kind of touched on 
you know, when someone sees yourself harm scars, um, and they immediately think that they're entitled to a conversation about it, that they can ask you questions about it, which is not okay. Um, I wonder if you've, you know, come across anything similar or other misconceptions that you'd like to talk about? Well, this hasn't happened to me specifically, but it's happened to quite a few of my friends. When they've worn darker clothing or they've just been acting a little down, people just assume that they're like quote unquote depressed or emo and tend to say rude things like show me your scars which is so disrespectful and even if they really did self-harm it's just such a horrible thing to say and to also assume that someone self-harming leaves scars yeah thank you for sharing that that's that's awful isn't it and yeah and it's not necessarily that you you have to have like your own experiences but it's really helpful to know about other people's experiences too it's 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 interesting you know because I I, if you saw my face I had I was in pure shock because it's it's really it's really shocking to hear that people feel like they can go up to someone and say something like that yeah a bit a bit upsetting as well to hear that you know that's something that someone has to go through and it's not okay to ask someone to show your self, self-harm scars. Like, I wish I didn't have to say that, but, you know, it's definitely something that we need to to add in there. You know, that's not okay. And like Alex said a bit earlier, just, you know, someone not having a conversation about it actually makes the world of a difference. Even if you notice, it doesn't give you uh, the right to ask any questions. And it can be really quite exhausting and upsetting for someone to go through that conversation with a complete stranger so thank you for bringing that up Maya it's it's certainly not okay to go up to strangers or or even people you know and and say those things Bongi you you definitely have like a more clinical perspective and more perfect in the professional field and I'm, I'm sure you've come across a lot of young people who have shared their own misconceptions and and what they've heard as well but I'm sure I'm sure you know a lot as well so um, yeah, did you want to go through a couple with us and just talk about how misconceptions can be harmful as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, just just really going back to what has been shared and and kind of like um, the importance of changing the perspective, the kind of like the narrative, I think, the always ongoing narrative in terms of the negativity that is always attached to self-harm. And uh, like what Alex um, was sharing, and um, and and how that in itself kind of like perpetuates the problem. And one of the kind of like misconceptions that we deal with, or we 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 come across, we hear. I think especially within it may be a family unit, and um, the difficult to understand why maybe a person might be self harming. And one of the most um, difficult ones to deal with is kind of like self harm being seen as um, a kind of like attention-seeking behaviour. That is one of the kind of like really difficult ones to deal with because we have to understand kind of like like we were saying in terms of definition of self-harm is it is an expression of a distress. And sometimes it has come to a point where that distress can only be expressed in terms of like um, self-harming behaviour and that sometimes is the only way that 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 the person can kind of like bring attention to that distress that might be not being seen, not being validated, and this is where it can get a little bit um, difficult because as you can as you, 
even with the words that I'm using, that there's kind of like that thin line be between kind of like expressing it as attention seeking um, and then expressing it as distress, being kind of like brought to light to whoever. So there's kind of like a thin line, but what we know is that kind of like defining it as attention seeking only adds on to the distress. And instead of kind of like the response being to respond in a in a helpful way, then the response becomes unhelpful and adds on to the distress as well. So that's one of the kind of like really um, difficult misconceptions. The, the, the other ones would be about, yeah, people can stop anytime they want to, but most of the time it takes kind of like a build up of a lot of difficulties before maybe self-harm can then be used as a means of expressing that build up of emotions and distress. So it's not something that can be switched on and off just like that. And so yeah, those are some of the some of the misconceptions that um, we come across um, quite a lot. Thank you for sharing that, Bongi. I think I agree with you. Like a lot of the language used around self-harm can be quite negative and not just like between peers or parents sometimes it can be faced with clinicians as well I think like the word superficial comes up a lot and how that in is internalized as oh well I'm not doing it good enough and I need to do it worse I don't know if anyone else has had any similar experiences I think I, I remember this very vividly um one time when I was in the A&E it was very late at night and I was I think I had to wait like 30 minutes to 45 minutes just for to talk to someone and the whole conversation I think maybe it's because it was really late at night and I'd, no one wants to work at 4am and have you know talk to a 17 year old kid but I was there and I was talking to this I think I think she was a social worker I don't really remember but you know when they ask you like oh do you do you self-harm yes or no yes can I see them? Okay. And then you show them and then they don't say anything. They just nod and they're like, okay, scribbles. And, you know, you don't really talk about it and people don't really tell you like, oh, okay, what are you doing? And I see this misconception all the time, especially on social media like TikTok, whenever you're having a conversation with a clinician about the self-harm scars. And the first thing they ask you, and they will always do this, have you cleaned it? And some people take that as, oh, they don't care that I self-harm. They just care, like, if I clean it, like, what does that mean? But the reason why they ask you that is because they want to make sure that you, it's not infected and it doesn't lead to more harm. And people forget the fact that that doesn't mean they don't care. They are there to listen to you. They're being paid to listen to you. You know, I think that's the reason why we are having this conversation in the first place. I don't think anyone wants to have, like, a scar and then get infected. But we don't talk about that, do we? <laughs> Yeah, that's really amazing that you brought up that experience that you had as well, Alex. It is really important. I know we send we send our podcast out to clinicians that work within camps as well. So it's really great, you know, to have that conversation. Because I think, like Molly said, we could definitely be a lot more careful and understanding and just think about the kind of language we use. And it's so upsetting to hear, you know, sometimes people might ask you just upright out of nowhere. Um, and you understand why they have to ask you in, in those circumstances. But also, you know, not having any support in place after that or just showing that, you know, you care about that young person. I know I know it's A&E and, you know, a lot of people are in and out, but you have to remember that, you know, this is a human being that is opening up to you. 
and just to kind of have a bit of sensitivity around that. So I, I'm hoping whoever would listen to this podcast might think about that in the future. And, and we talk about language and saying attention seeking. Like Bongi said, it, it can do a lot more harm. In no circumstance calling self-harm attention seeking will that be helpful to a young person who is self-harming. So we really need to think about the language that we use when talking to young people, when talking to people who have experienced self-harm. Um, and thinking, is this actually going to be helpful or, you know, should I keep this to myself? I think one of the most important things is kind of not being forced to do something that you don't feel comfortable to do. And um, that kind of like, there isn't necessarily a kind of like a right and wrong. It can be a journey, say, starting from the first time, maybe when you're out in the community and it can be a journey kind of like building up that confidence but um, the other thing that I wanted to share was, like we talked earlier about sometimes people feeling entitled to make a comment when they um, when they see um, your scars. And I remember um, some young people have shared with me kind of like how they deal with that. And they were kind of like two kind of like opposite things. So one was about kind of like when someone, you know, sometimes people stare. And that can be so rude. And then kind of like that response with drawing their attention away from staring and kind of like, now this was a young person who was working in a pub. Eye contact. Did you want anything else? And kind of like really getting to that point where you are quite bold and like, you have no right to be staring at my scars. I am here to work. Did you want anything else? And kind of like cutting that out. And then the other kind of like different way was like, well, actually, when someone is looking and staring and actually acknowledging and saying, yeah, do you want to look some more? This does happen. And this is part of me. It doesn't, you know, that kind of like response of actually acknowledging, yes, I can see you staring at my scars. Yes, you can stare at them. They are part of me. This does happen. That is part of life sometimes. So I just wanted to share that in terms of like, um, it, it can be a journey starting from whatever you're comfortable, how you deal with that situation. And, and different situations will um, kind of like throw different things at you. You can probably not always be prepared for all the different scenarios that can play out. But yeah, just wanted to share that as well. Thanks, Bungi. Yeah, and I like that you gave two different responses that, you know, people can use if they're they're confused about what to say or they don't know how to you know approach someone staring or asking a question about it um and there's no right or wrong way like you said to 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 give an answer or you don't have to give an answer at all um it's it's about what's comfortable about you so I'm really glad that you brought that up I know when we were having a bit of a conversation about this earlier Molly you mentioned something about how most people are not told about SPF um, when scars are healed and I really want you to bring that point up because Alex reminded me when Alex um, said that it's not talked about the, the interaction with clinicians and that it's really important to bring that up so yeah I wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about that yeah so I think not many people talk about like looking after scars and the aftermath of having scars and they kind of treat like scars as normal skin when they're not they're really super sensitive it's important that you wear sunscreen and SPF so that they don't burn because they're extra sensitive to the sun as well. 
Yeah, thank you, Molly. Like, like that was definitely something new that I learned. And I'm sure, you know, there are people listening that are hearing that for the first time and thinking, oh, yeah, that's, that's actually makes a lot of sense. And yeah, you know, it's not it's not shared information, but it's really important that you know how to look after yourself. And I think that kind of segues really nicely to maybe our next question, because um, I know we wanted to talk about how to look after yourself and also talking about how to feel confident about yourself and your self-harm scars, especially during the summertime. Yeah, so I wonder what everyone thinks about that. I know you all have different things that you do to look after yourself, but also things that help you feel confident. I like to, like, I mean, you know the saying, fake it till you make it. When you're feeling really low, it's really good to just pretend that you're happy not just the other people to not like be annoying and question you but you know for yourself and when you act happy you just become happier and a lot of the time it's really nice to have an alter ego who's more confident than you and over time if you just keep acting like that alter ego it'll eventually become you yeah, it can like almost encourage you to tap into like the person that you know you 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 you'd like to be, and also I feel like it's a good way to try new things, but feel more comfortable knowing that you know, okay, I'm just trying this out. It might not work for me, but this is what I'm trying out today. And you might find that actually you liked it, and over time you'd probably become more confident in trying new things. Um, so yeah, I like that you explained it that way, Maya. Um, I don't know if anyone else can relate to that or if they have a different different way of feeling confident and looking after themselves I think I do something very similar to what Maya does but I what I like to do I I daydream a lot if I read a book or if I'm watching a show I can imagine myself like what character would I be if I'm in that show or like what would I do if I'm in that show like what would I do my, right now my I guess what I'm watching right now is Grey's Anatomy and my mom got me into this. So I can I just imagine myself like, what character would I be? Or what would I do? What would be my specialty? That sort of thing. And sometimes I take that and I apply to the real world. So I, if I'm, I need to go to a shop, I'll imagine, I don't know, one of the characters go into the shop and how would they react? And like, what music would they listen to? That sort of thing. But something I like to remind myself every time I go out, it's okay if I make a mistake because no one's going to remember me usually they say that a lot when you try to go to the gym is that you know people don't care they focus too much on themselves so they're not really gonna look at you and I like to take that and focus on it and just kind of repeat it in my mind you know it's okay no one's really gonna care if I make a mistake or no one's really gonna think about it you know they're not gonna remember me two days especially if you're going in a public setting especially like retail assistants they see people like hundreds of people they see so many people they're not going to remember you being like can I get a refund on this thing you know it's it's just you need to be kind on yourself and I think that goes a really long way yeah I can definitely relate to you Alex and I think some advice that I was given was not to think about how you got the scars think about the present and just go about your day and thinking that they're not don't treat them as self-harm scars just treat them as scars and you've got them now and they're just similar to like a bruise and no one's really looking at you thinking oh why is that person got that yeah it's really nice to kind of ground yourself and remember that everyone is almost focusing on themselves the way you're focusing on yourself and just to kind of remember that and 
having that perspective will make it a lot easier I feel going out and about and feeling confident just focusing on yourself and remembering that everyone is focusing on themselves and and to be fair they won't remember you know one person that they saw for for a minute out of the whole day and and I really like Alex that you said be kind to yourself because I feel like that's a really good piece of advice and I know it's easy easier to say than to implement and I wonder if anyone can kind of give any tips or advice to anyone listening on what they do to be kind to themselves because I think it's a really nice notion to say that but it can be really hard to implement in your life if you don't know where to start and I'm saying that now but I'm thinking I I wish I had something that I thought of that I could say one thing I do to be kind to myself is I will watch my favorite tv show again so (laughs) If I'm like feeling like I had a bit of a a hard day or if I feel like I really haven't been giving myself any time to almost wallow and feel emotions, um, I will watch my favourite show again because I I, I sometimes feel guilty watching the show, that I a comfort show that I like watching again and again because I'm like, well, I've watched it before. I can just watch something else and it's it's okay to allow yourself to do um, something that you enjoy. So I feel like this can be applied to anything, you know, anything that you enjoy, even though you've done it before and even though you do it all the time to kind of make yourself feel happy. I feel like you should allow yourself that pleasure to enjoy it more. So I think that's something I do to be kind to myself make time for myself just myself to do the things that I enjoy um like you I like to re-watch my favorite shows um I really love comedies and because those make me laugh a lot it's really nice to just sit back and watch comedy maybe with my family mostly my sister um and she's really sweet and just being around other people that you know care about you just makes you want to care about yourself even more that's amazing Maya thank you so much for sharing that um and I'm I'm glad you know you can relate on that with me Alex what about you what's one thing you do one thing I do to take care of myself is after I do this one massive thing that I've been really really scared of doing like finishing a really big assignment coursework is the next day I just do one thing that I like doing which is usually it has to be something sugar related so (laughs) I might just go get a boba I might get McDonald's or like you know just I guess having this little sweets this little gifts to yourself usually if I don't do that if I don't have any money I just play games (laughs) I like playing study Valley a lot right now because I guess it's this simple I, I make my farm and I take care of my animals and I pet them every single day that makes me really happy Oh, I love that. And yeah, that seems like really rewarding as well, isn't it? In that kind of game. Um, But yeah, the underlying thing I'm getting is that everyone kind of takes time out for themselves. um, And that's how they look after themselves. So that's how they're being kind to themselves. They they give themselves some time and and it can be in through different ways. But I don't, I also want to ask Bongi and Molly, actually, um, what they do as well. I like to remind myself that mistakes or feeling different emotions are what make me human and taking some time to reflect on my journey and like seeing how far that I've come mm. and that my position here is now so much more like happy than I was a few years ago. Oh, that's beautiful. It's really nice to have that perspective, isn't it? Because that in, in that moment back then, you probably couldn't have seen how far you would come, but it's really nice to look back and just almost find that that can make you more confident I feel to see how far you've come as well that's amazing thank you Molly 
Um, usually it involves sticky toffee pudding and custard. That's my <laughs> that's my treat when I, I I try not to have it too much too often, so that when I actually treating myself is something that I just really really enjoy. And then listening to music, just really immersing myself in music. Yeah, that's my go-to. Just really, I mean, I think also like trying not to focus on, on kind of like negative things and reminding myself of positive things as well. Because sometimes you can just be taken away by everything that has gone wrong by trying to remember, well, it's, it's that's not kind of like everything that has happened has been wrong, but there's been some things that have been good. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Bongi. Yeah, it's so easy to um, concentrate on the negative things, isn't it? But it's really important in those times, especially when the negative things can feel so overwhelming to remember the positive parts. Um, that's really what kind of gets you through. And 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 the positive parts really do matter as well. So, so to remember that. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for sharing, you know, the, the things that you do. And I, I would encourage those of you that are listening in to also have a think and reflect about the things that you do and maybe do one one kind thing for yourself tonight. Um, might include sticky toffee pudding, might include custard. Who knows? You might you might have gotten some ideas from us. <laughs> so, yeah, so far we've discussed quite a lot. It's been really educational for me as well. And I know how important it is to share information, but also not to leave people without support after we've provided all of that information. So as we're coming towards the end of this podcast, it will be really helpful to hear from each one of you about who you open up to and where you get support from. Because I know it's really important to talk to people, but it's really important that you talk to someone that you trust, someone that you feel you can open up to, and someone who you know won't be judgmental, someone that can support you and will be there for you. I'm actually really proud to say this right now. The, the people I usually open up to at this moment is my parents. You know, it has gone from having a relationship where I did, I hated my parents. I did not want to talk to them. And I thought that my mom hated me. And we went from that to actually being able to open up to each other. And I can have really meaningful conversations with my dad. And it's very really special to me, especially talking with my dad, because, you know, he is an immigrant that doesn't really speak English that well. And, you know, he struggles to express himself to other people, but he can express himself to me. And he has opened up to me and I've opened up to him. And it's, it's I don't know, it has become a really sweet thing that I really appreciate nowadays. It makes me feel really old. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so wholesome. And, you know, we appreciate that not everyone has that relationship, but it is nice to hear that you do have that and completely relate on, you know, having immigrant parents who might have a bit of a barrier I feel with language but also culture and it can be hard when you've grown up with two different cultures um, and navigating that but it's really beautiful and that, that growth to see that growth where not just you but also your parents have learned to communicate and understand you um, and it's really important so it's really good to hear here that you have you know your parents that you can open up to and you can get support from. Bongi, did you want to talk a little bit about clinicians and how they can offer support? And I know in your experience, you probably you probably encountered parents that are really open to supporting their young people, but also parents that, you know, aren't readily there and aren't someone who a young person can open up to. So maybe touch on how parents could be a bit more open to talk about that and support. 
support the young people? Yeah, I mean, I think everything that really we have been speaking about um, it, it can be really quite, in some ways, challenging um, for parents to kind of like navigate, understand, know what to do, when to do. And, and I mean, unfortunately, typically it comes, our work is usually like really directly in terms of working with young people, but we try as much as possible um, to be there for parents in terms of like... Um, I think the most important thing is about that, like we have been saying, that each young person's reasons for self-harming, what has led to it, is always different. And I think it's quite important um, for parents to be able to understand that, to be able to kind of like understand what will work for them and what will work for um, for their young person. But there are some other services um, there is the National Service for Self-Harm. There are some, some other services that we would um, signpost parents to. There's quite a lot of um, information as well that they can, can tap into. But I think that relationship um, with their young person and that kind of like understanding of what might be going on and what is the best way to help their particular young person, not what the other parent is doing or anyone else is doing but what is really really important is what works for them as um the young person and parent and family as well i think as a parent it can be difficult to hear that your child is self-harming and not think oh well, i've done a bad job which most likely isn't the case I was wondering if you've had any experiences with your parents, Maya or Alex, about how they might have access support with that. I haven't really talked to my dad much about this, but my mum's really supportive about like getting counselling and finding any way to help me. It's it's really nice to know that she's on my side, even though a lot of other parents aren't like that. I think for me it's slightly different because, you know, as I as I said before, my parents, they're both immigrants and they grew up with very different mentalities to mental health. So when my when my parents found out that I was self-harming and they had to sit in a therapy room with my therapist telling them all of these things that are happening to me, my mom I think I think she had a bit of a breakdown. She started crying and it made me feel really bad. But after that we slowly started talking about things and I guess we started supporting each other. And that has been really helpful for both me and her that we were sort of healing our relationship. And I, I completely understand that, you know, that's a privilege. What I have is a privilege that my parents, you know, are capable to listen to me and change their behaviours and their mentality to support me. But usually if your parents never say that or if your parents never support you, it's not really the end of the world. Usually they they will seek for support if they want to and usually they want you to do that as well. And there's a lot of different st- like stigma behind that. And, you know, those parents from different backgrounds are always going to respond differently to different things. I guess it's always to keep in mind. What I try to keep in mind whenever I talk to my mom and she says something that I'm like, that's not good to say. Don't say that. She grew up with a completely different mentality and she had a lot of trauma happening when she was a child. And I always try to keep that in mind. But, you know, each to their own. We're all, we're all different people. And just because I'm kind to myself doesn't mean my mom is going to be kind to herself. And I have to teach it that sometimes. We all have to be kind to everyone, even if sometimes people say bad things. Yeah, it takes a lot, doesn't it? When someone has a conflicting opinion to still kind of show grace and 
kindness towards them as well but it's really important not only just to extend that grace to you know your parents who might not be understanding or other people friends um in in your circle that might not be understanding but also to yourself and when we started this podcast we talked about like silence silence in the shame and by doing that to have a conversation and I feel like the more we talk about it the more awareness we spread about it the more we talk about the misconceptions out there and, and the more we educate each other it's definitely breaking down that stigma that a lot of maybe our parents or people from this generation as well it's been passed on so we want to get away from that stigma thank you so much everyone for sharing who you open up to and where you get your support from and we're finishing the podcast now but we always like to kind of finish with a bit of advice at least like one tip or one advice that we have for the people that are listening we can go around and each person can share either one piece of advice that they'd like to leave everyone who's listening with or a self-soothing um, technique that has been helpful for them that they'd like to share with someone else um i'm not really sure if i would call it a self-soothing technique but it's something i do to take my mind off things it's, it's gonna sound like i'm gonna like I'm, I'm a grandma but i like doing like crosswords and i like doing the waddle i love doing that because it i guess it keeps my mind going and i don't have to think about anything else i just have to think about words that end in an er you know and i guess with support i think it would be a really good thing to mention i think it's called reflect now i think that would be a good thing to mention yeah, I know that reflect, they, they're a text messaging service. So you you text the word reflect and then you can you text them anything that you're struggling with and you'll get some support straight away. Um, but we'll add it in the description below the podcast for anyone that would like to text them. I think it's 24-7. Um, so that's, that's really helpful to have that available, to, so accessible that you don't have to kind of wait around or call someone, but you can just text them. It's, it's a lot easier, isn't it? Thank you, Alex. And Maya, what's one thing you would like to leave the listeners with today? Always have one friend that you know if you're feeling like at your lowest or if you just really, really have the urge to self-harm, just call that one friend or tell them to come over or something and just talk to them. It doesn't have to be about what you're feeling. It could just be like what happened in your day or what shows you watched recently. But just talking to that one person will just make you feel so much better. That's brilliant. Thank you, Maya. Yeah, that's so important to have, isn't it? And I know we had a couple of young people who wanted to be a part of the podcast, but couldn't make it for the podcast recording today. But I know that they shared really helpful advice as well. And one of them was um, using glitter temporary tattoo pen. And I don't know if anyone else has, you know, used that before or tried that before, but it can be really helpful to use those instead of self-harming. It's almost like a, a distraction, but you're using your hands to do something. Um, so, yeah, that's a piece of advice that we got from one of the other young people that they said that they found really useful. I don't know, Bongi, if you have any experience of a person who has difficulty to open up to someone about their self-harm because they're non-verbal or, or they just have some difficulty opening up to people. Have you had an experience of that? And what advice would you give someone who is struggling with opening up to someone because they are non-verbal? I mean, I have to say I haven't got a lot of experience of that, but probably what I can share, because sometimes talking therapy is not always appropriate. We can offer some other forms of therapy which can help in terms of like expressing what might be going on in a non-verbal way. Say, for example, art therapy. And we used to have a dance and movement therapist as well. 
So that is where we would go. So that is kind of like different approach, different therapy. Like for myself in my sessions, I might kind of like not necessarily be about talking. It could be about kind of like drawing. It could be about um, using art to express what might be going on. Um, and that would be really quite low key. But um, where it needs to be a therapy because someone is non-verbal, then we'll go to particularly art therapy. Um, dance and movement we have had, but we don't have a dance and movement therapist at the moment. Our understanding um, is always about kind of like finding different ways of um, verbal, not verbalizing, but expressing what might be going on. So facilitating different ways of um, expressing what might be going on. It's great to hear that, you know, within CAMS, different services, but also different approaches to to therapies. It's not always talking therapies. And I know that's not the case everywhere. So it's really important that we have those different options in place as well to make um, therapy and, and mental health support a lot more accessible. I just wanted to mention, because I remembered this, but to stop myself from some self-harming, what I used to do was I used to get those like temporary tattoo stickers and I would put them on my arms and it would be those like really goofy ones. So whenever I, whenever I would look, I would, I would see this really goofy thing or like this really goofy cat and I'll be like, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. And it also has a, it has a really weird sticky texture when it like almost like finishes, like it rips off. So usually those kind of things will prevent me from self-harming because you'll see that and you're like, do I want to cut a cat? <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to what Alexa said, uh, I, was, uh, um, I remember that there's, um, I think there's a particular project called the Butterfly Project. So it could be animals, it could be kind of like drawing a butterfly on your arm and same concept kind of like when you want to sell I mean thinking or oh, do I really want to cut off that butterfly's wings and all that this pretty but so that that sort of thing can because sometimes it's really all about delaying even sometimes when you get the age anything that can help to delay and before you know it maybe that length of time when you delay might grow bigger and bigger and bigger so that is um, some of the ideas behind that. Oh, that's brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Bondi and Alec. Molly, is there any advice that you would like to leave the listeners with today? One thing that you can do to support yourself? When I'm feeling intense emotions, I usually like lean to more practical coping mechanisms. One of the things that I use is I always have ice in the freezer. So I'll get a piece of ice and hold it in my hand. Or if that's not working, put it on my wrists. Or then I might stand outside on the cold concrete slabs or doing like 15 like star jumps so that you're out of breath and can't think of anything else, like to stop those thoughts coming into my head. That's such helpful advice. Thank you, Molly. And, and we've actually got something in the chat as well. Some helpful advice there too that I, I think is really important to mention. Um, someone mentioned a semicolon um, project or tattoo so basically the idea is someone gets a tattoo of a semicolon just to show them that life goes on after self-harm so I think that goes on the idea of it's not a full stop but a semicolon that there's a continuation it's not the end which is I think a really beautiful way to actually end the podcast um, but yeah thank you so much everyone for the advice that you've shared being so open about your experiences but also just the depth of education that we've received I know that I've learned a lot today I'm sure that um, the listeners have learned a lot today too 
just thank you so much for contributing to the conversation. It's really, really important that we can have conversations about self-harm, self-harm scars and, and ways to support yourself because there are people out there that might feel isolated because there's not many conversations out there. So it's really important that we, we contribute to that. And I just want to thank you so much for being so open and ready to share. And for everyone that's listening today, I hope this was helpful to you. I hope that, you know, you have someone you can maybe share this with if, if, if they're struggling, you know, to, to know and they'd like to know more or they'd like to understand how they can support. Feel free to share this with them or share any of the resources we've mentioned. We'll definitely add some resources in the description box in the podcast as well. Hopefully see you at the next podcast. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.